I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly and for the detail today I'm in Whakatane and I'm just at the heads of the Whakatane River watching a mussel boat as it crosses over the bar. It's dusk here and the boat is all lit up as it heads towards the wharf. And what's special about this boat is that it's come from a mussel farm that's offshore. It's an open ocean mussel farm and it's the first of its kind. I'm at the wharf now where the crew of the two mussel boats, Northern Quest and Kukutai, are getting ready to head home after 12 hours on the water. What's the name of the boat? Northern Quest. What are we looking at here? What's that? What we see in front of us is the harvesting gear. Um, this slide that's it's up at the moment, it deploys down over the side and then it hauls the mussels up and they go through the declumper and that washes them and breaks them all into single mussels. And then when they come out the other side, they go along a grater which sizes the mussels to different sizes and they go into bags. Most of them go up the end belt into a one-ton bag. The crew on both the boats are young men from Whakatohia, east of Whakatane, but not the skipper. I was in Coromandel doing the same thing and then ended up coming down here. Right, this is yeah. quite different, hey? Yeah, so that's part ocean. of the reason I came down. It was the same but different. Being out there on the sea. Yeah, being first to do something but different. Being the first means farming mussels in the open ocean, 12 kilometres off the eastern Bay of Plenty coast. It's still a very new and very small part of aquaculture. But this is an industry with big ambitions. The government said last year it plans to grow it to $3 billion within 15 years. That's five times its current value. But with the economic carnage caused by the pandemic, it's speeding up those plans. Aquaculture growth is part of a new 10-year programme to boost primary sector export earnings by $44 billion. That's what the PM announced earlier this month. So what's going on down here at Whakatane Wharf with the two mussel boats is pioneering stuff all right. But there's more to this story of Whakatohia mussels and its brand Open Ocean. To get the full story, I need to drive 40 minutes east to a portiki to the offices of Whakatohia Trust Board. We've lost all our land out there. The ocean was, is there for us, our ocean, and uh, we were prepared to take any risk to try and find an industry that will bring us out of poverty. It's an unusual but very special way that the company's been set up. You have iwi, Māori and Pākehā coming together, investing together, working together to, to grow the community and that's, that's what's been achieved here. I'm Robert Edwards, I'm Chairman of the Whakatohia Trust Board. I'm Peter Vitasevich, I'm the Chief Executive of Whakatohia Muscles. We're sitting in a meeting room surrounded by tukutuku panels and carvings and pictures of Whakatohia tipuna. This began in uh, 1999 when the opportunity came to arrive in Opotiki to farm mussels out in the open ocean. There was a group of people from the Sea Lords and New Zealand Sea Farms. They were farmers from the South Island who were looking for 
water space up in the north because there was a moratorium set in the South Island, no more water space available. The board members at that time saw an opportunity, so they formed a partnership with Sea Lords and South Island Sea Farms to form Eastern Sea Farms. So what they approached you and said, we like the look of this place, do you they, want to join up with us? They approached us, they had already done their research, they discovered that the water temperature and everything was appropriate for growing mussels, the water space was teeming with mussel spat, the base of the ocean was uh, all flat, all mud, which is I suppose, premium space for the growing of mussels. And when you say we wanted something to lift us out of poverty, what was the situation here in Apodiki at the time? Uh, Apodiki was once a thriving town. They had a dairy factory, they had a meat factory, bacon factory. All those things had closed down. Apodiki really went backwards and it was, uh, was really struggling. A lot of our people had to go out to find work, and you could say it was a, a very deprived town. We could see that uh, getting this uh, muscle farm going would be an opportunity to rebuild the town again. Yes. Why? What were they telling you about what, what it could do for the town? Well, we believe that out in the ocean is probably an untapped source we have been raping the, the oceans year after year over time, decades, even moving into centuries. We have been raping the ocean. It is about time we did something out there in the ocean to replenish that sort of thing. Instead of raping her, how about moving on beside her and producing something? And I think this was an opportunity to do such a thing. And you were willing to take the risks? That and we were willing to take the risk. Mind you, there were some of our people here who didn't like it because the risk was too great. But we had nothing to lose. What was that risk? to gain. Well, the risk was this is the first time an open, out in the open ocean. Nobody's been out there. But we have been sailors over in our genes. They sailed across the Pacific Ocean. So the, to us... To some of us, the ocean was a friend rather than a foe. Some in, in the iwi didn't like it? Yes. I don't blame them because uh, I suppose everybody's got different levels of, uh, of risk. To me, risk is you walk across the street, there's a risk. No matter what you do, there's a risk. But how you manage it and how you do what's in front of you, that counts. And so what was the next step? The next step was to apply for an application to occupy water space. So we applied for 4,750 hectares of water space initially. One block was 2,800, the other was 975 hectares. The application went in in 2001, and not until 2009 the application was approved. That was nearly nine years of battling, I suppose, with the system to get the approval of this water space. In the end, they gave us the 3,800 hectares. 
the 950 was left in abeyance. That may be to appease the fishermen, perhaps. I don't know. Yeah. Why did it take so long, though? Well, this is uh, perhaps the first, uh, first out in the open ocean. And um, you told me. <laughs> the first out in the open ocean. And uh, out there was a premium place for the fishing industry. And they were, had most to, to grieve about. So a decade after Whakatohia took the plunge, including many years talking to the inshore mussel farmers around the country, the first three trial lines were put into the water using a screw anchor. What we do with the screw anchors is, uh, and, and Robert's correct, is probably the first time the, these anchors were put in the open ocean. Uh, they have been used in the inshore sites around New Zealand. So we have a, a big uh, steel shaft with a big uh, plate on the end of it and we use hydraulics uh, from the surface uh, to screw them into the seafloor. We probably won't go into a lot of detail because that's sort of the, the commercial the secret. Well, it's we, we've developed it and uh, we've had a few blood noses along the line. But to, to give you an indication, in our resource consent, we've got uh, specific coordinates where we put our lines in and we screw the anchors into the sea floor and uh, we have the long line setups that uh, come up to the surface and that's how they're. They're all running. And do you have a number of these lines going down? Yeah, currently we've got um, 186 lines in the water and uh, we, over the next 12 months, we're expanding that up to 320 long lines. Edwards says he was over the moon to finally get the resource consent and start trials. But just as the first crop was ready for harvest in 2011, this... A fuel tank on the container ship stuck off Tauranga has ruptured, spilling more oil into the sea and deepening the environmental crisis in the Bay of Plenty. Until today, the tanks had been intact, and there's little prospect of pumping off the oil in the Rena's tanks until Monday. My uh, view, after listening to everybody's day and visiting the ship myself, is that it is likely to get worse uh, before it gets better. And that uh, prevented us from harvesting it and utilising it. So we had to strip the mussels, and then just let them all drop to the bottom of the sea. But we had to do that just to prove to ourselves that we can catch spat again. Why did the Rena's grounding of, affect the mussels? Because of the oil spillage. Rough weather has forced a stop to the efforts to remove oil from the container ship Rena, which has been stuck on the Astrolab reef off Tauranga for nearly a month. Oh, it came this far down the yes, coast? The potential. The potential, yeah. what I mean to say there. Yeah, they couldn't risk it, and we couldn't risk it either. We are just uh, starting, if we started off and harvest those, and there was illness, sickness, that would virtually ruin us, to be yeah. disastrous for mm. us. Yes, so we, so we just stripped the mussels, and then just to prove to ourselves that we, the first catch wasn't a fluke, that it'll happen annually, with, and uh, we caught spat plenty of spat at that time. There was a shortage of spat in New Zealand at that time and sea lords took all the spat. That paid for, I suppose, all the work that uh, they had done for us. From there, 2014, we thought it was time to move into commercialised. Uh, yeah. And from there, we, we went around all the iwi in the Bay of Plenty to see if they would support us 
and um, forming a company to farm mussels out there. And they, they were adverse to the risk. They all bottom. said no. Yeah, they all said no. So we came back to Opotigi. We put the word out and was within a week we found the money and the investors that we required to start. Whakatō here, would it be a relatively small iwi? Yes. And not a wealthy one? Uh, we're not a wealthy iwi. In actual fact, we've been operating on the smell of an oily rag for a long, long time. So, <laughs> so every penny counts. Yeah, no, uh, a lot of this is, uh, I suppose it's the philosophy behind it all. This is what made... Uh, our people from Opotiki really invest. They were kiwi fruit growers, farmers, yeah, and just the ordinary butcher, uh, butcher, baker, mm-hmm. and the candlestick maker. Local garage, car sales, the, the home kill man. And it was extraordinary um, because um, Robert and Ian had to buy another hat because the first one was filled up. Yeah, we all invested because we wanted to see our town grow again and we wanted to create work for our people. I think it's unique. I suppose a lot of investments is the, the paramount thing is to make money. But here in Opotiki, the paramount thing is to bring our town to life and to create work for our people. More than a million dollars was raised in the community that time around. Then about a year later, they took the hat around a second time to fund their first boat, the Northern Quest. And a third time, more than $4 million was raised within a month, again from locals and affiliated investors, to build the Kukutai. It was designed and built by McMullen and Wing, known for the 1995 America's Cup boat, Black Magic. So it all sounds like smooth sailing, right? Well, it wasn't. We had a few storms and, and you often hear the names Pam or Debbie or Cook and you think they're the neighbours down the road but in actual fact they're cyclones and through the uh, joint cyclones of uh, Debbie and Cook our wave monitor had 12 metre waves going through the, the farm but we pulled everything back into place and replaced uh, some of the gear and took it on the chin and, and uh, we started again but we made a lot of changes to that we thought in an offshore environment um, would be uh, more suited to to weather these storms. We are farming on the water but we have the same issues that farming on the land. We watch the weather, we live by the weather, weather apps, well maps, the news, uh, you know, that's what we do. And when the weather subsides like it has today, we've got a good patch of weather coming. We do what we can out there. The farming operation employs about 16 people. Big deal, you might say. But it's what's happening down the road in Apotiki that will really make a difference and promises dozens more jobs. Work has just started on a new factory to process the mussels, funded by a provincial growth fund investment of nearly $20 million and a multi-million dollar capital raising, including funds from Whakatōhia. It was announced in March. We had the blessing of the site and the announcement by Minister Jones. That was on the Friday. The following Monday, we started work. Uh, That was Monday the 16th. And um, blow me down, we were closed down uh, due to COVID on the the 25th. 
But, you know, um, we've been through all sorts of storms and uh, we, we were able to be an essential service from the, for the farming operation to keep everything going. Uh, we started work back on the site on the 26th of April and uh, we're going gangbusters now. Okay. So the processing site will be open for business and processing our crop from uh, the 1st of July 2021. So, so in a year's it's, time. It's, yeah. Robert sort of started the journey in the late 1990s and in 2020 we're making it happen. By the 1st of July we'll hope to have around 80 people on site employed within the factory plus our farming and our water team will will also expand and leading into 2022 and 2023 uh, we'll be employing further. So Robert do you see already what kind of difference this has made to the community? In the community I suppose there is an air of uh, acceptance and uh, expectations they are starting to believe that the dream is a reality because a while back you could tell them about it, but they, they need something to see something. Now that the building is starting, at, then they can see something and they can see that their aspirations are becoming to be fulfilled. Mm. Yes. Did you always believe that you, know, you would get to this stage? Oh, yes. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah, where we began, we couldn't go any lower. I'm going back now. All our land was taken, I would say, and we were put on a reservation. Yeah, and over the years, we couldn't go back any further. We can only go forward. But you can only go forward if you made it happen yourself. And this is what Fakatoya has done with everybody around them. Mm. Yeah. Do, uh, have the other um, iwi come back to you and said, oh... <laughs> We want to be involved now. Yeah, there's some of them want to come back and be involved. But uh, I said to them, no, no, you had your chance. This is, belongs to the people here now. Yeah, it's, there, it's in their hands, not mine. Yeah, it belongs to the people and it should rest there. But we are prepared to, to help you, to get water space within your area. And then we will come along and help give our expertise, providing all the crop comes back to a podiki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you would process it at the, at yeah, the factory Yeah, we'll process here. it here. We have decided that we can grow the mussels out in the open ocean. We can also get support from other regions with um, getting uh, supply for our factory. So that, that warrants the investment uh, by the Provincial Growth Fund and from our community participants to, to take what was a offshore farming site into a uh, food processing and exporting company in Apodiki. So are you making money? Are you actually making a profit yet? Or I have to confess the, the last four years has, been, has purely been growing the business. There's been no financial uh, returns back to shareholders because everything that we've had, uh, whether it be through our capital raises or any income that we've had, has gone purely back into the business. So 
uh, Robert sort of alluded it earlier on that it was more about growing and creating the business than the returns. The returns will will mm. come, um, but right now it is the view of um, our shareholders, and and now we have we have 159 shareholders in this company and they're all affiliated from from here mm. and it's it's a view of everyone that we get it into a viable profitable commercial business but with some social outcomes a lot of our um, shareholders have, have have made the comment that this is probably not necessarily for them it's for the future and for their families in the future peter you've been in this industry for a long time you've had a few hurdles along the way yourself can I ask both of you, you know, for you, Robert, getting Peter involved, how, how important was that? I had no hesitation in bringing uh, Peter on board. Sure, he had his issues, but it wasn't all of his own making. I have had issues, and uh, I believe that if you fall over, you've got to stand up, and stand up twice as strong. You only learn from blood noses or whatever you have had on the way forward. So I believe in getting people that have been doing the business. If they have fallen or made a mistake, I'm sure they won't make the same mistake again. I'm looking for the people that have been proven, that have fallen over and stood up and moved on. What's it been like for you to come here and be part of this? Very proud. Ian Craig and, and Robert from Whukatoia, they encouraged me to come back and get back into the industry. I was uncertain whether I wanted to come back. I think I've, I've added some benefit to our community to, to, to help grow it. And the support that the company in Whakatoe has given me has given me that uh, piece of strength to say, we're going to get this and we're going to make it happen because we're doing something that no one else has done before. Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say that um, where we are today... It's just another step in the journey. The journey would be to see the harbour open. At the moment, we're, we're using the Whakatane Harbour, and the Opodiki Harbour is the next uh, part of the puzzle. And uh, an industrial area where we get sufficient wharfage for our boats and protection for our boats from the floods and uh, the servicing of our boats. That's all part of the puzzle, yeah. And I'm confident we will achieve those in the near future. And in fact, last month, Whakatohia and Tūhoi Komatua led a hikoi to the Oporiki Harbour entrance for a karakia and cultural briefing before work started on the development. It's called Te Ara Moana Atoi, A Path to the Sea, and it's received nearly $80 million from the government's New Zealand upgrade programme. That's it for today. I'm Sharon Brett-Kelly. The detail is brought to you by newsroom.co.nz and made possible by RNZ and NZ On Air. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. And if you're using Apple, leave us a rating so other people can find us too. Today's episode was engineered by Jeremy Ansell and produced by Alexia Russell. And thanks to Whakatohia Trust Board's Chairman Robert Edwards and Whakatohia Muscle's Chief Executive Peter Vitasa. Ka kite anō.